I'd like to take a minute to talk about Spalding Gray. Now, some of you may not know who this is. He was a brilliant monologue artist. He uh, was just an, an average dude, just like you and me. I think he ended up doing, what, swimming to Cambodia. There's a giant head floating in the air with a black background, simply talking at the audience. Um, and you would think for an hour and a half that would be the most boring thing, but somehow, through the sheer will of talent and storytelling, he was brilliant. It was engaging, and it was intense. I remember the first time that I saw any of his work. Uh, it was Monster in a Box. It was on television, the film that was directed by Jonathan Demme, who had directed Silence of the Lambs and was coming off that success. It was bizarre to me that Jonathan Demme would, in some eyes, people would say, why would he go from such a, you know, a, 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 a Hollywood picture with, you know, he has so much status and he takes a step back to the art world because Monster in a Box is Spalding Gray sitting in a chair with a desk in front of him on the stage and on a stage with a, with an audience and it's being filmed and you know the, the angles change and the backdrops change and there's music that accompanies him telling a story he simply got a glass of water in front of him that he occasionally will sip from but he's talking he's looking at you he's engaged with you and the conversation isn't like anything I had heard before. I was probably like 12, 13 years old. It was the most amazing thing that this person could express himself in such a, it was a little dance. It was a little dance that he took with the audience. Uh, he took them inside his perspective of stress and coping and the rejection of pop culture and uh, normal mannerisms and questioning perception and neuroses and self-examination. It was all so raw. It was displayed right there, raw on the stage, but it was like in a storytelling format. We could all see a little bit of ourselves in these stories that were disconnected but still had uh, a link between one another that was more about the panic of him not being able to finish writing his novel his great novel I believe it was like what impossible vacation and I can relate to that I think we all can relate to that especially me moving to Florida under COVID and working at a fucking theme park impossible vacation I understand that doom and that gloom and that the world is going to stop at any moment. Do I even matter? And how do I even... Does it? Is it about having a voice? Or is it about knowledge? Power? These are the questions. It's the human existence. It's the human condition. So 
I, I don't know. There was just a lot of people when I was growing up that were very influential to me. And I feel like Spalding Gray is one of the greats. And he's been forgotten. Not by everybody, of course. But this new generation doesn't herald and embrace something that doesn't instantly grab them and have, oh, that reminds me of this. It must be like this. I liked those old days when I used to flip through cable television and see just bits of stuff in the middle of it, like out of context, and something in the middle of it would grab you enough to stay, and maybe you would hover over that channel, and you would think, and something they say moves you or makes you think, and you stay. And what was something that was, you know, you'd be like, wow, I'm so glad I was flipping through the channels. I would have never caught this otherwise. Today, we're so, we have to plan. I'm going to watch this. It's going to be on. And, like, there's no happy accidents anymore. Like, uh, in this environment of, uh, you know, predisposed content, you know, uh, streaming, I don't think that uh, we would take chances on stuff. People would look at like maybe the cover or the, the title or who is in it and then say, this is boring. I can't do this. So I feel like more people have to be dragged into things that they think they might not like and they might actually like it. People need to care less about what other people think about what content they consume we compare ourselves to one another. We're desperately trying to fit in. Why do we do this? We want to belong. We want to be cool. We want to be a definitive source. What is the end game? It's for us to just feel good about ourselves. Is this how you feel good? I don't think that that's the definition of happiness. I think it's misery. I think us constantly checking others for reciprocation about ourselves is horrible and that's why Spalding Gray is so interesting I'll go back to that I mean think about it he bears himself on the stage for the world to see but he's in control of the story and the narrative and it's funny and it's painful and it's engaging but it's not whorish. It's not him trying to sell. He's doing this because he loves it. He's doing this because his mind knows no other way to express the emotions that come with everyday living and, and feeling out of place in a world that obsesses over such frivolous, pointless things, monetary things, entertainment value. It's like entertainment is, is so is so prevalent. Capitalism is so prevalent. <sighs> What's sad about Spalding Gray is, and this is how he died. Well, well, a couple years before he died, he got into a really bad car accident. He hurt his head and had to go through some surgeries to relieve the pressure. And if you've ever had a concussion or you've fallen on the snow and hit your head really hard or had a football-related injury or any kind of um, sports-related injury, hits to the head, that, that shit is 
it, it can damage you. Look at Julie Strain from Troma. She's dead now because when she was young, she had a horse riding accident, fell off the horse, and thought she was okay for years. But until she was older, she had early onset dementia because of this horse fall. She was married to the guy who created Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and he took care of her until she passed. But you know that head injuries are uh, legitimate. Uh, it's It can change your personality. It can change the way that you communicate. And this is somebody's, back to Spalding Gray, his whole life, any uh, anything that he had prided himself on, his... Uh, monologues at Lincoln Plaza where he would come back to life because he had so meticulously memorized previous monologues but that creativity flow stopped his personality changed the way that he viewed the world changed the way that he found himself communicating was stunted and slower and he was frustrated and disappointed in himself um, all his emotions were heightened you know, with depression, uh, his his self-doubt, his self-image, um, feeling that he couldn't slip back into his old life that he loved so much, that he prided so much. No, no visits to his homes, his lake homes, or anything that used to um, satisfy him worked anymore. Even this house, there was this house that he had owned for a very long time. He told his wife, I would never sell it. The wife had been begging him to sell it for years he said no i'm never going to sell that house it's, i said it's my house it's, i know it looks not so great it needs work whatever shortly before his death he had the house quietly he just cleaned it up had a cruise come clean it up he put it on the market and it sold and that should be that should have been a red flag it probably was but in the end he was just kind of a shell of his former self. He went to go see a movie at the AMC 42nd Street Theater in Lincoln. Uh, Lincoln Is it Lincoln? No, not Lincoln Plaza. It's in 42nd Street, Times Square. The AMC Theater there. The one that used to be the theater where they filmed Last Action Hero. That they had to drag the theater down the road a couple feet. That theater. I don't know if you guys are New Yorkers remember that. But anyway, it's not the Last Action Hero Theater anymore because they ripped that shit down when I was a kid. But anyway, um, it's where that theater was. He went to that theater. He saw the movie Big Fish. Spalding Gray went to see Big Fish mid-afternoon, directed by Tim Burton. And, you know, I still haven't seen this film. I've read synopsises of it, but after hearing what happened, it was actually kind of frightening to me that this film would resonate so so much uh, that Spalding Gray would finish the film, call his family, say goodbye to his kids, say, his, say to his wife he loves her, he'll see them soon, he gets on the ferry, and then he... Somebody sees him walk off into the river. They think it happens so fast. And he's gone. Just like that. Into the water. It was like a cleansing. And they did find his body a couple weeks later. And it feels like nobody's really talked about him since. Is it because he's not young? Is it because he's not here 
Do we have any sense of history? Or is our culture only recycled based on like what attracts us in an ADD duh, sense? Because he was depth. It was self-examination. It was great. And Big Fish, you know, the movie's about some guy, the guy from Watchmen who plays the blue dude. Uh, he, go, he comes home to see his dad, Albert Finney, who is dying. And Albert Finney, all his life, apparently, has told lies, uh, told these whoppers of stories that are colorful. But as he, um, when he was young, the kid was like, wow, this is cool. My dad's so amazing. But as he was or got older, he realized they were all fibs and that his father lived in this fantasy world. Now, the movie, I suppose, is trying to make you think um, that regardless of the context, this was an incredible man and these colorful stories um, are gone. Like his world, with his passing, he's taking this with him. All of the characters from the stories that he told throughout the film are in the end ushering him to the water where he has some sort of cleansing moment and the son realizes his mistake and the fragility of life and death. Uh, it's all symbolic. I mean, uh, and, um, and I guess that Spalding Gray saw himself in this film, his struggles of the tales that he told, the whoppers that he told, how colorful and full of life they were, and how nobody really understood the meaning until it was too late. At the end, he had to find that peace within himself. It was morbid and dark, but to him, I'm sure it was this... In it was, uh, His attempt at at healing himself very strange but anyway i'm going to close this out i want to say rest in peace spalding gray and i want to say that i would love i want to and i'm going to originally i was going to do it for uva i was going to create a monologue that he could perform on the stage i think that in that spalding gray tradition he has a lot to say and, and I think me too. I would like to create one. I would like to honor the memory of an influential figure in the literary world. Rest in peace, my friend. <laughs>